Stories are powerful. Powerful. Welcome to the Rise, Recover, Live podcast brought to you by The Phoenix. This is a space where people impacted by substance use can come to share their story of strength and resilience, get open and honest, and inspire hope and build community through shared experience. We'll be talking to people in our community on their own recovery journey and shine a light on the topic of recovery in all its forms. Maybe you'll hear some of your story in theirs. Let's show the world that together we rise, recover, and live. Well, imagine seeing you here on a Thursday. This is a special bonus episode of the Rise, Recover, Live podcast. I am one of your hosts, Bryce the Third, he, him pronouns. And just setting up the episode a little bit, we have Joseph Green sitting down with me on a couch in D.C., Washington, D.C., at the Mobilized Recovery Conference 2023. While we were there, we collected uh crap ton of stories. We had the space open and just had a revolving door of some of the most impactful stories that I've ever heard in a small period of time. And today's bonus episode is Joseph Green sharing his story. He's one of the most prolific poets that I've had the privilege to hear. But not only is he a poet, he's also a teacher. He's helped people to tell their story of recovery. He advocates for the voices in the communities that may not be as loud as others. And to be honest with you, I've I met this one the first time I met him. I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while. And so maybe this is just a sampler. Maybe we'll have him on for a full episode. But until then, please enjoy Joseph Green live from Mobilized Recovery 2023. All right, my friend, um, this is one of those ones where divinity has brought it into play. Uh, Finally got you on the couch sitting next to me. Um, For the listeners, for the viewers, uh, let us know who you are. My name is Joseph Green. And I would like you to see me as a father, a narrative disruptor, a person who believes in the power of story to make the world a better place. And I am capable and able to do and live all of those things because I'm a person in long-term recovery. Mm, mm. And so uh, I think that's a good starting point because you listed so so many things. And then it made me think about like how loaded of a question asking people attending a summit like this, uh, who are you is. Because <laughs> we could be so many different things. We, we wear so many different hats at any given time. And those hats change depending on what season of life that we're in. So uh, I, I think right now, uh, what I'm most curious about, we first met at the Samson Recovery Summit, I think it was last year, and there were some things that were on your heart at that summit, but um, what is on your heart right now? What is of most importance to you right now? What is calling to your spirit right now in the realm of showing up in the area of substance use disorder? I think that I'm here in this space. Someone asked me that yesterday when they when I first got here, um, why I was here and what was like my intention of being in the space. And like part of it started with, I have an event here, so I'm here to serve that event. But that didn't seem like an answer that I would be happy with if someone gave it to me. And so I decided to think more about it. And at the end of the day, no matter what space I've occupied, through activism, my goal has been to eradicate the need for that space. And I think that I come to these things in the hope that at some point we won't be having recovery conferences, but we'll be having wellness conferences. 
and the entire family will be here. Folks who are maybe dealing with a substance use issue, but then there's the folks who are dealing with some sort of mental stress or mental illness. Then there are the children who are affected of, and like all of it is about how do we give everybody the same tool set? Not the same answer, but like the, uh, access to the same answers mm-hmm. to feel like the best versions of ourselves because it's really the human condition that we're working against here. Right. And drugs and alcohol present themselves as an answer to a question that is different for everybody who finds themselves here in this space. For me, it was undiagnosed mental illness, uh, generational trauma due to parents growing up in poverty, growing up black in America and not necessarily ever been giving the tools as a young man anyway to deal with those things. And so you do what people do when you feel bad. You look to feel better. Um, And I think that there's so many, and this is what I dig about what y'all do, there's so many ways to feel better. Um, And that is, I think, a discussion nationally that I would like to be a part of. I, I, I'm, I feel pigeonholed if I'm here for prevention or if I'm here for recovery or I'm here for harm reduction, I'm here so people can get well, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I believe in life. So if you believe in life and you believe that people can be well, then everything should be on the table, mm. right? Um, and the same things we do, y'all do in recovery to, to give people space to express themselves, to build community with one another, connect with these are protective factors that they also teach in prevention. And so when I build youth programs, I build them so that they have activities and things to do. And it's rarely about the destination. And it's all about teaching them how to be present for the journey, mm-hmm. right? So if it's a poetry club, yeah, it's great that we have an open mic, but if you don't know how to express yourself, like when no one else is around, then this poetry club didn't do anything for you, mm-hmm. right? If you don't know that you can call one of your club members to just talk about the emotions that you're going through and they should not care whether or not you are a good poet or not, then we're not doing what we're supposed to do, right? Like if you have an activity that's mountain climbing and someone comes and they've never mountain climbed before, it's not about, oh man, you need to become a better mountain climber, right? It's like, oh, thank you for coming out and doing this activity with us and we're going to meet you where you are and we're going to make this as much fun as you possibly can because we know that you are better here as a bad mountain climber than there as a good drug user, right? Um, so, sorry. Yeah, Rant. nah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what the Phoenix shows up and does. And, um, you know, on this podcast, man, like, I've, I've gone out of my way to make sure that it, ne- it doesn't feel like a commercial. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is it ends up feeling like a commercial just because the power of connectivity, the power of getting out and hitting that rock wall. Like I've seen, you know, people in in treatment centers, like actively in rehab where there's programming at, and, you know, they're climbing this rock wall, may have never climbed a rock wall before in their lives. And there's people on the ground and they're cheering them on while they're at the top, reaching the top of something that they've never been to the top of. And it's like that support, like knowing like, oh, people like got my back. And and not only do people got my back, but I got my back because I got on this wall and I did this thing that maybe I previously would have never even tried to embark upon. Um, and, and whether that be rock 
rock climbing, whether that be kayaking, whether that be running, or whether that be like something that speaks more to my spirit, which is art, which I kind of want to speak a bit about too, because you introduce yourself as an activist. The first time I was exposed to you, you dropped a crazy piece on my head. I don't even remember what it was, man, but it left me with like tingles. And I'm from Detroit, bro. Like this, <laughs> there's a there's a crazy poetry scene there. There's a crazy like independent music scene there. And you know, hearing you share your art was just like, yo, this is powerful and this is impactful. So how did you come into sharing your art at this level? And what tie does your art have to your personal recovery as well as the work that you do in recovery? Hmm. I came to, first of all, thank you for all those kind words about my poem. Uh, it's nice to know that it made you feel. One of the things that I try to teach young storytellers or young poets is uh, based off a quote from Maya Angelou. And it does, people won't remember what you say, they won't remember what you do, but they will remember how you make them feel, right? So some people would hear, oh, you don't remember the poem I did? And like, that would be an issue. But like, when you saw me, there was a, an immediate like kinship that can only come when two people have connected at a values spiritual level, right? Like you could tell from the poem I delivered and the story I told that day, whether you can remember it now verbatim or not, that there was something that we both believed in that was similar. Like and you've had friends, family members, people around you that you've been through so many things with. And sometimes you find out that y'all don't have those things in common. And you can get real close with somebody who you just met because you believe in are willing to fight for the same things or you have a similar worldview. Mm -hmm. And I came into this art trying to find my people. Right. I, 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 I started off as a theater kid and I realized that like three years as, as, in, as a professional actor, that that wasn't how I wanted to use art. Mm. Right. Um, there, then this is not me shitting on, can I curse? Sorry. <laughs> it's not me shitting on anybody. Um, and what they do as an actor in theater, because I still love that space, but it wasn't how I could make my living and feel good about using my craft. And so I got into spoken word poetry and I immediately found tribe, right? And I didn't realize it in the moment, but the most important things that I did as an early poet was touring, quotations around touring, uh, with this collective of broke artists that did art for the sake of the community and none of us were trying to become famous. None of us were thinking like we were going to ride the wave of spoken word poetry to a mansion. It was like, yo, we get people to listen when we do this. And the better we do it, the better people listen. Um, and so I think it was embedded in me early that if you like to write to get your feelings out, do that. If you like to write as a way of making the world a different place or putting your story in the world, then you need to train that craft, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because there's so many ways to unintentionally say something that you didn't mean to say mm -hmm. in the space or to get turned off because you think you're emoting a particular way and someone's getting something else from it. So to get to this level, 
which is where I can tour and um, people seek me out and I can get paid to do the work that I do. Uh, I had to, one, stop writing for poets and two, realize that my fancy words don't mean anything without a way to apply them to people's lives, mm. right? And so I don't do poems anymore, right? I'll do a poem as part of a keynote, but you're going to get a story to go with it. It's like you crack open an emergency kit and there's just like a tool in there and no instructions. Obviously that thing can save a life, but if there are no instructions, like what, what am I supposed to take from this? Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't even, uh, I don't um, speak about myself as a poet anymore, or even as a spoken word artist. I say I'm a narrative disruptor. I say I am a professional storyteller um, because what's important to me is the story being told. And I'll use poetics, prose. We have a production company, uh, film, photography, graphic design. What is it going to take to get that message? Because those who are trying to make this world unsafe for the people that I care about, they got all the tools mm. and they're using all the tools. So why shouldn't I? Mm. Um, so yeah, I went all the way around mm -hmm. and said some extra things too, but I think I got to the heart of your question. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So before uh, we get about it here, man, mm -hmm. I think there's somebody listening to this episode and they're interested in getting involved in SUD work or they're interested in getting involved in an intentional lifestyle. Uh, but they don't necessarily know how, and the the way that they live is 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 not sustainable. But they don't know any other way to live. What, what do you tell that person uh, who's who's right there but doesn't know how to get started in his life? I would I would ask them what does healthy look like to them. I think that it's important as a wordsmith to define the words that we're using in conversation when trying to guide, aid, mentor, help people. And so if I ask you what health looks like to you, a healthy lifestyle, and you can't define it yet, then that tells me where we need to start in your process, right? Mm. We need to get you somewhere where you can learn what a healthy life looks like. You've established, if you're talking to me, that something ain't right. But if you don't know what the dream looks like, what the lifestyle looks like, then we need to get you somewhere. If you describe to me what a healthy lifestyle is, then the next question is, what are your barriers? Mm. Um, and, and they're real. Some of them are systemic. Some of them are mentally systemic. But we have to ask those questions like, do I need to go and get job training or do I need to go see a psychiatrist? The answer may be both. But you might not be able to see that psychiatrist until you get that job, mm. right? And so the understanding that our total health as a society, as a community, is not just based on making smart choices. It's about surrounding ourselves with the resources we need to stay in those smart choices when, they, when, when we find the wisdom to start making them. Uh, I've seen a lot of people get into sobriety as if sobriety meant recovery. Mm. Um, and, in, and if recovery for me is a synonym for a life lived with intention, right? Then sobriety is just a tool of recovery and not everybody's tool, mm. right? I got sober from the drug I was taking, but now I take medications that are given to me by a doctor. 
am I technically sober? No, but I have an informed relationship with the narcotics, if you will, that I use. Mm -hmm. um, and understanding where you are on that journey and that it's not the same for anybody is the first thing I would want to tell folks because we need to pull them out of comparison. Mm -hmm. Like they're looking at someone else's life and being like, or if they're coming to me, they may even be looking at my life and being like, I want that. Yeah. Let's pull back. Who are you? What are you capable of? What resources do you have? Where are you on your journey? Assess those things. Let's pick a direction after that. And then we can start dreaming about where you might one day get. So does that make sense? You know, that's a yeah. sound suggestion. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it seems like a lot of steps. I wish I had like a one liner be like, you know, go see the Phoenix, you know. But I mean, <laughs> um, for some people on their journey, this is exactly what they need yeah. at the exact moment that they're on it. And some folks have some things they need to do first before they get to it. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. No, that sound, the sound suggestion, sound advice. Um, so for anybody looking to keep up with you, uh, to learn more about what you're doing, uh, to see some of your work, where do they find you at? I live at 83. No, I'm joking. Yeah, um, <laughs> don't, don't drop the Addy. They're going to pull up. No, 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 no. Um, Let's <laughs> uh, start at the website. Um, it's constantly in flux, but www.lmsvoice.com. There you'll find how to get in touch with me directly, social media, uh, things of that sort. Or, or you can click on our curriculum button. And my work started in creative writing. So we have an up-to-date, still-growing library of about 100 or so writing workshops um, that are free. So if you are a teacher or a budding writer or is there somebody who wants to find new poetry and new people to be inspired by, it is... Uh, free searchable online resource and just go to lmsvoice.com and click on it That's thanks it. again joseph for yeah. coming and sitting down with me and i uh, appreciate the conversation and uh i look forward to continue to watch how you grow within this community that's what's up man my pleasure yes sir it's a pleasure so now you're excited bryce liz how do i get involved with the phoenix well my friend it is super simple we actually have an app Head over to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store or look in the show notes of this podcast, wherever you're listening to or watching this podcast and go download the Phoenix app. The Phoenix app makes it so easy to find classes that are near you or to access our virtual class schedule where you can hop on from the comfort of your home. You can also join our groups and have a conversation with someone from the Phoenix community from anywhere in the world. Please make sure that you join the podcast group where you can connect with Bryce and I and other listeners. Everything that you need is in the show notes. You can also head to our website at www.thephoenix.org. And maybe while you're there, you click the volunteer tab and get even more involved. <laughs> <laughs>